The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! years ago I had worked on a few tracks with Jay-Z we were going to do an album together it just never culminated and we didn't we didn't finish me and Jack White just did a song together this is fantastic I'm, I'm really a big fan Excuse me, Mr. Producer, excuse me there. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm here for my rap audition. I am, I am. Um, well, you clearly are a rap artist. Yes, is this the right place, then? Yes, this is the right place. I don't know what voice this is. It's kind of Shall I just... like a turkey salesman a little bit. Shall I set up my music stand, then? Hold on, let me set up my music stand. Where shall I put the ukulele? Tut-tut <laughs> cheerio and all that, I suppose. You put it right there. Yeah. Put your rap lyrics on the stand. Okay. What what shall I do with the washboard then? Well, your laundry for one. All right then. I'm gonna begin my raps then. I am. I am. I am. Uh, <laughs> you know, this doesn't seem quite right. Well, I I'm sorry. I saw an advert in the newspaper requiring the presence of one Mr. J Z. That's me. Oh. Yeah, I'm Jay-Z. <laughs> You're Jay's head? I don't... No, no, un- Jay, Jay-Z. You know, I think you people in the colonies call it Z instead oh. of Z. I'm Jay-Z. Let me bust this rhyme at your fat ass. Don't. Bust it into the microphone. People on the TV looking kind of skeezy. JZ's in the house to go bring your my thumb up your butt like Wheezy Jefferson. She's from that television show in the States. And I ain't making that mistake because I'm here to represent Kensington. What did you think of that, Mr. Producer? I don't know why you're in my home. And I'd like you to leave. I don't have enough snare in me headphones. Um, so this was a bit that we did. And this is the podcast that we're on. Yeah. Mr. Zed. Can I call you Mr. Zed? I thought that was going to be way funnier than it turned out to be. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was driving home thinking, oh, JZ, that's killer right there. That's good. It's material. very funny. I think I, I, I think I said to no one in particular, oh, that's good material. <laughs> Welcome to the Third Men podcast. This is a Jack White history program, and I am your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your other co-host, James Kaminsky, and I take, I take a little bit of responsibility <laughs> for this. I could have done better um, to yes <laughs> and, I think. But the premise of the joke seemed to be that the British people say the word Zet. <laughs> <laughs> and though I appreciate the joke. It's not good. <laughs> so this is Jack White History Program, as I said, and we go over Jack White TV. Did you introduce yourself? Yeah, you did. I did. That's yeah. right. Where we go over Jack White uh, albums and TV and stuff, and then sometimes we do mysterious episodes. <gasps> is that what this is? Can we cue the Unsolved Mysteries theme? James, <gasps> we're mixing bits again, but that's okay. Oh, man, Mr. Stack. This episode, we are going to be giving you yet another one of our Unsolved Mystery-style episodes. As some of you will recall, last season, we had one of our biggest, most popular episodes to date, being the Lost Tours album, where we detailed the plans that were eventually scrapped for a third Tours record, and then we got another one, and so it kind of rendered it void. But this time, James, <laughs> we are continuing that series of mysteries mm. with this episode titled The Lost Jay-Z Collaboration. Ooh. Collaborations A to Z? Or Z. Now, this is a project that we have heard about, James, now for 10 years. Yes. 10 years. Do you remember when you first heard about this one? I remember hearing about it basically through this podcast is where I remember hearing about it. Really? Yeah. I I wasn't privy to, to that information, really. I remember seeing that Jay-Z did something with Jack White by releasing Magna Carta on Third Man, and I thought that was weird yes. and interesting. And then the whole title thing. So clearly, Jack and Jay-Z had a friendship of sorts, or at the very least, a business partnership. So, yeah, I had no idea until we had mentioned it on the show that there was a bunch of Jay-Z stuff that just didn't come to fruition, and then we got more and more of it when Boarding House Reach came out, and we heard about over and over and over being possibly right. used between him and Jay-Z, and I think that where I'm landing on this now is that this Jay-Z album was 10 years ago, the and Tours last album was about 10 years ago. So I think Jack White is going to team up with Jay-Z again and put out a new <laughs> album and tour this year. <laughs> well, if there's one thing we use this podcast for, James, it's starting rumors that are nonsense. Yeah, James, you know, it's funny. I think I seem to remember knowing more about this than I did. I think my level of understanding of it is probably around yours. I, I seem to recall hearing about this, or maybe I just saw photos online of him and Jay-Z and stuff and, uh, hanging out, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it came across my internet searches uh, once in a while, but... Yeah, like you said, during the Boarding House Reach album cycle, we got a lot more information than we ever did, particularly actually being able to hear music mm -hmm. from this collaboration that Jack White and Jay-Z did and ultimately never came out. It's a project that just, yeah, it just never happened. So 
we do this series on the show, and we have one more in the one more in the holster ready to go for another Lost uh, Jack project that never actually happened. So this is the second in the series, and I'm going to give you everything I was able to find on Google's about this. Oh, fantastic! And there's a lot more than I thought, actually. And I, you know, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised, James. Yeah, Mr. Blackwell, eat your heart out. <laughs> Before we get to all that, James. Is there a story that should be told? <laughs> I think so, James. Oh, it's every, every single, single one's, one's got, got a story, story to, to tell. tell. Exactly. Oh, 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 Don't want to hear about Every single one's got a story to tell. Okay, so would you like to tell the people what every single one's got a story to tell is? Uh, sure, that's when uh, you folks out there are so kind and gentle and nice and so kind, loving and tender and nurturing, filled with orangey goodness. And oh, I love orange soda. Oh, here it goes. It's when you guys out there are sending in some stories, doing stuff in the third man universe, and in this case. Maybe a tangential third man universe, and then you send that story to us, and we could be your voice for this story on this here podcast. This week, we're gonna That's a our, weird th- way to say it. This every single one's got a story to tell is a little unusual because it's not a third man artist, but it is an artist who's participated in third man stuff, and will actually have a weird bearing on some things we're gonna do in the podcast very soon. So this is from. Brett Garski, the Brett 3, Killed by Garski, sent us in a fell in love with a show for the Jenny Lewis show he saw at the Ogden Theater in Denver, Colorado Mm -hmm. on May 16th, which is so funny because I believe that was the night after or very, very soon after I saw Jenny. Maybe it was before. When the f*** did I see her? I don't know. Right around the same time where I saw Jenny at the Hollywood Palladium and had just a fabulous time. Jenny Lewis, as listeners to the podcast will know, is a favorite of James and I. She was the lead singer of Rilo Kiley for a little while, and she performed at Third Man in Nashville alongside her partner at the time in a duo they called Jenny and Johnny, which was sort of a interlude with her solo career after she left Rilo Kiley. She, anyway, she just put out a new album called On the Line, which is fantastic, mm. and... Brett saw Jenny, as we've mentioned, in the Ogden Theater in Denver, Colorado, and he said that he has seen her many times. He saw her on the Acid Tongue Tour, the Voyager Tour, and now on this one, and he remarked that her wardrobe transformation was pretty drastic from tour to tour. As he points out on his blog, he says that she started in the Acid Tongue Tour wearing overalls and a minimalist sort of stage setup, a little more of a casual kind of vibe, and then on the Voyager Tour, she had the white pantsuit with the rainbow motif, And then uh, on this one, she, and I did not know this, on this On the Line tour, she wore as a tribute to her recently deceased mother, who was a part of a Las Vegas lounge act. She dressed in a sparkly tight dress with fur cuffs. And I did not realize that that outfit was an homage to her recently deceased mother, but that adds a nice little layer of personal depth to that performance. It's quite the dress, and the show seemed to have been quite a lot of fun. There's balloons involved. There's a nice light show. There's a piano that looks very reminiscent of McCartney's Magical Mystery Tour piano. Mm-hmm. It looks like a fun show. Almost makes me
it sounds like Brett's experience mimics my own, so I'll, I'll just recount a little bit of the show that I saw, which was really cool. It started with a very, I would say, very long DJ set, but I think that's just because I got there super early to get really good standing position. And as Brett points out in his blog here, I forgot about this. <laughs> the uh, house speakers start blaring Tommy Two Tones, 8675309, Jenny Jenny. Mm. which was very, very appropriate and wonderful. And then uh, she comes out and sits at the piano and does her first couple tracks. Now, this was my first time seeing a full show of hers. I saw her at the Amoeba house show where she did an abbreviated set and actually did play the rainbow-themed Voyager guitar that Brett points out in his blog post here. But what was really cool was that uh, at the show I saw Jackson Brown came out and uh, he did a track and then Jenny played a new track from an album that she recorded with Jackson recently which was uh, very, very cool. So it's a debut of a new song. I always love when that happens on tour, James. Paul, that sounds amazing. I love Jackson Brown. As uh, Brett points out, there was a balloon aspect to the show at the end where a bunch of giant oversized balloons were released from the ceiling upon the unsuspecting crowd, and we fought each other for them tooth and nail, and we whapped them around a little bit, beat them back and forth. Jenny hit them a couple times. It was a real struggle there, but we had such a good time. This was such an amazing show, and Brett, I'm so happy you got to see it as well. It sounds like there was a massive battle. Brett, thank you so much for telling us all about this great show. Paul was obviously there at another show, and uh, so we love Jenny, and I'm glad you like her too. If you guys want to check out more of uh, Brett's concert goings, you can check his website out, brettgarskywrites.com. So look that up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so this has been Every Single One's Got a Story to Tell. Yeah, and they did. All right, James, you ready to talk about gangster rap and rejection? I'm always ready to talk about those two things, Paul. Let's start this Jack Jay Z collaboration with an overview of these two guys. Jay-Z, for any of you who don't know, I don't know why you wouldn't, but he is one of the most acclaimed and highest-selling rappers and honestly just solo musical acts in the world. He was born Sean Corey Carter in December 69, making him six years older than Jack. And uh, he is a native New Yorker and founded Rockefeller Records in 1995, where he released his debut album, Reasonable Doubt, in 1996. Jay was involved in the New York hip-hop scene a whole bunch. He was friends with Biggie, which hopefully will be featured, at least an aspect of which, in friend of the show Emmett Malloy's upcoming Biggie documentary. Mm -hmm. And he was also produced early on by uh, Puff Daddy, and he was sort of ensconced in that world. Before branching out and becoming a businessman outside of music, Rock Aware turned into this huge clothing line. We'll get into title later. He's got tons of political connections. He was rubbing shoulders with Obama a whole bunch when Obama was president. He is a noted philanthropist. I think he had something to do with the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, if I'm recalling that correctly. Uh, yeah, Jay-Z had a stake in the Barclays Center, one-fifth of one percent of the Barclays Center, uh, and sold his stake in it, along with the Nets, uh, for about $1.5 million. The Barclays Center is a very nice uh, place, by the way, I saw... Kiss, Duran Duran, and 
Nicki Minaj there, all in the same show, as well as The Who. I saw The Who there. You saw... What? Yeah. Isn't that weird? I saw Fashion Week. Justin Bieber was there, too. Okay, okay. Well, so, Jay's... uh, He's been a successful businessman. He fancies himself like a modern successor to, like, a Sinatra type or a crooner type. He raps a lot about how he's the modern-day... Sinatra, but I think he just sort of looks at that old crooner era in the same way that Jack maybe looks at the rambling blues man era mm. and kind of admires that those guys just got to be professional assholes, you know, <laughs> and just sort of make a living out of eating steak and, yeah. you know, nailing broads and whatever it yeah. is Sinatra and his cronies were doing at the time or whatever. Which sounds like I'm taking a big shit all over Jay-Z, which I'm really not trying to do. I, I, I like his music an awful lot. I, I guess that whole madman kind of attitude is sometimes rubs me as a little incongruous with, like, also being a good person. But, like, I don't know the guy. He's probably a swell fella. Sure. You know? A Rockefeller, if you, if you want. Why not? Aside from being a businessman and all that stuff and uh, having all these political connections, he's also in- insanely successful he's sold over 100 million records in his lifetime has won 22 grammys and he holds the record which was previously held by elvis presley of the most billboard number one albums by a solo artist which is 13 that's a lot damn of records yeah i remember him popping up when i was in middle school with big pimpin that was like the big song from him and then hard knock life the ghetto anthem that one, that was like a big, that was a big hit of his. Mm. So anyway, Jack and Jay-Z have also had a long friendship. And it's not really all that unlikely when you look at these two dudes' careers. You know, Jay has been in the game a little longer than Jack. He kind of comes in more around the Beck time frame. Mm-hmm. And as, as I mentioned, six years older than Jack, but both rose to the top of the pack in their respective genres of music, and they both have a lot of respect for hard work. Mm-hmm. Each is also not shy about emphasizing their drive, you know, or their passion for what they do. And they also have an eye on their legacy with Jay making moves outside of the music business with all the stuff that I just said that he does. You know, Jack kind of does the same thing. He's a key investor and co-owner in Warstick and, you know, also title alongside jay-z which again we will get to and some other things so these two actually do kind of have a lot in common and they met and started interacting a bunch in the mid-2000s the most famous meeting of which was after the rack and tours set uh, consolers of the lonely from glastonbury mm. uh, that was where you see all those behind the scenes i don't know if you've seen those pictures of jack and jay-z and beyonce and all those people and amy winehouse is there and so it's a very like huh. 2008 snapshot kind of yeah crew (laughs) for sure it's yeah yeah Uh, but they connected and became friends and uh, jack also became friends with beyonce and as we know that that would become something later on when jack collaborated with her but that's where the seeds of this collaboration are kind of planted so Mm -hmm. you know keep in mind jack is known for the white stripes but he and jay became mostly friendly during the raconteurs era and then very shortly after that in 2009 that's when they start hanging out and start talking collaboration it is in 2009 where the first stated session official session took place for what was intended to be a jack white and jay-z collaborative album hmm 
That is in 2009. So Jack is in full-on whorehound mode here, and he talked about it to lesinrocks.com. He's talking about the group dynamic in the dead weather. He says, It's interesting that we both come from groups of two people, a boy and a girl. Being in a group completely changes the dynamics, and Allison needed to be at the head of a real group. It makes it even more explosive. She is a star. He's talking about the dead weather and uh, collaborating with Allison Mosshart. Yes. I remember showing the clip of treatment me like your mother to jay-z and he was shocked immediately by seeing her anyone who sees the dead weather on stage cannot look elsewhere than on her so obviously that is around the time where those two are becoming friendly and i guess jack was showing jay some clips of his new band the yeah. Dead weather so in september 2009 this is when we actually get documented proof that something's happening in the form of Jay-Z talking to an interviewer named Big Boy Mm. about the recent collaboration he did with Jack White. Jay says, we just worked on a track called Ray-Bans. I was gonna put it on this album, The Blueprint Volume 3, or maybe it's just The Blueprint 3. I'm not cool enough to know the difference. (laughs) He says, I was gonna put it on this album, but I'm gonna save it. But it's fantastic, and I'm a really big fan of Jack's work. Not only in the White Stripes, but he works with... And then he pauses for a while. He's like, is it the dead woman or something? (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, whatever, whatever. He has like eight groups. And and this guy, Big Boy, is like, you don't even know the name? (laughs) Jay-Z up in here, Blueprint 3 album... Brand spanking new, ladies and gentlemen. Great album. And yeah, man, we're having a great time with Jay-Z. Jay-Z, will you ever see, like, when it comes to collaborations, man, we know that there's collabos on, on Blueprint 3, but are there, is there, like, a another collaboration like that you probably haven't done, or you see something in the future, or there's one of those, like, man, if I could get this person. I just, I just did one one that I'm really excited about. I'm going to give you, even give you the name of the song. It's called Ray-Bans, and I just did it, uh, me and Jack White just did a song together. Um, I was going to put it on this album, but I'm going to save it. And um, it's it's fantastic. I'm I'm really a big fan of um, White Stripes. You know his work. Yeah, hey, yeah. Let me now. His Ray, work. Not only in that group, he works with you know Dead Wanted Dead or Dead Wanted. Look at him. He don't even groups. know. He asking his people like Wanted Dead. dead no, he has like eight groups. He's in like yeah. seven groups right now. Currently touring you know, with yeah. them all. He on that Easy E review, right? Is that what it is, fellas? All right, come on, help me out with this interview. Eight now. Why Ray? Now Ray Bands. Why you know? Is there something with Ray Bands or? Is, is, See, is, is now, different. I told you the title and now you man, come on man. I don't know because you don't just say something unless you own it. You know what I'm saying? No, like, no, nothing happened with no. Oh, no, okay, no. okay, cool no. in the gang. Cause I was about to go ahead and tell somebody to put something in something and try to make some money. I'm just piggybacking you, brother. So yeah, you. I'm glad you cleared it up because I would have went out and tried to do Ray Bands and been in the wrong business. So thank you yeah. for clearing that up. We got Jay Z in the neighborhood. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. Big boys Big neighborhood. Boy. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that is great. That's yeah. as much as I'd expect Jay-Z to know about the dead weather, too. Is <laughs> There's a woman in there that's dead in the name. She seems kind of gothic. I'm a little afraid. Yeah. That sounds about right. And Ray-Bans, as we would know, would uh, would eventually become over and over and over. Yeah, so that's the song that they worked on. But it sounds like they recorded more than just one song. And from everything I've read, the session was probably focused on that track, but had a lot of different variety in terms of like maybe Jack throwing out a lick here or a beat there, that kind of thing. I think Jack was perhaps looking to inspire Jay a little bit in the Mm -hmm. studio, because don't forget, there's probably a big brother, little brother kind of dynamic there, because again, Jay has been doing this for longer than Jack. Is Jay his elder? Is he older than Jack? Yeah, he's six years older. Okay. 
but it never seems like Jay doesn't want to do it. I think some of that might have to do with the fact that Jay-Z has done this sort of thing before. He's been around the block and he understands just like this is another collaboration. Yeah. I feel like he'd be just as ambivalent if My Chemical Romance came and said like, hey, let's do this record. It'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, he'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever. You got dead eyes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, ja- all right, so I think in Jack's defense, I think he's a little different than it just being anyone like My Chemical Romance or whatever, because I do think that there's yeah there's significant overlap there with those two guys. I think tonally, for sure, yeah. Yeah, and whenever Jay talks about Jack, it's always with a lot of esteem. Like, he clearly thinks a lot of him, or at least says he does. So, like, I don't know. And And think about it. In 2008, we get Another Way to Die, and... Jay has also collaborated with Alicia Keys before, and so they like they have common friends. Yeah, they're both friends with common rapper Common. <laughs> they're both running in similar circles. Out there in the naked city, it's a pity half of y'all won't make it. Me, I got a plug special where I got it made. If Jesus paying LeBron, I'm paying Dwayne Way. Three dice, Zelo. Three card, Molly. Labor Day parade, rest in peace, Bob Molly. Statue of Liberty. Long live the world trade. Long live the king, yo. I'm from the Empire State. That's. Let's flash forward to 2010, because as far as I know, there was only the one session in 2009, although there could be more and they just didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. But in 2010, we've got Jack talking about Jay-Z as early as January 6th of that year in a Rolling Stone year-end recap article. The interviewer asks, there was a time this past decade when the idea of garage rock includes bands that sounded nothing like the White Stripes. Do you feel like you have peers out there now that aren't necessarily doing the same kind of music but work on the same level? Jack says, it's difficult to say. I feel like I'm a lot more to do with Jay-Z than I am to do with the Black Keys. I don't know what that is. It's just a feeling. Like, for example, when all garage rock bands blew up at the beginning of the decade, the Hives, the Strokes, we visually had a lot in common with the Hives and that same sort of sense of humor, I thought. But for some reason, we did shows with the Strokes, and in a lot of ways, we had absolutely nothing in common with them. We got along like gangbusters with the Strokes, though. Hmm. And then the interviewer presses, do you like Jay-Z? People may think you don't like hip-hop. Jack says, I love hip-hop. If it's done with a sense of the blues even if the person who is creating it isn't thinking it at all. I think Jay-Z is just incredible. The Black Album is one of the best albums of the decade. The guy presses further. He says, when you say you're working on the same world or the same level as Jay-Z, what does that mean exactly? And Jack says, I think that 
what he's saying in his lyrics is honest. His ideas about metaphor are really reflective about what struggle is. He has a lot more room to work than I do. He can get away with a lot more than I can. And I am envious of that because he can stretch into metaphors that I would love to. You can get away with a lot more interesting stuff in hip-hop, and he's really good at it. So Jack talking a lot about Jay there in January. Obviously, he's top of mind for Jack at the time. Mm-hmm. And then the second session with Jack and Jay-Z happens somewhere in the February to March 2010 window at Third Man in Nashville. So he's recording with Jay at Third Man in Nashville somewhere in the February, March region of 2010. Now, keep in mind, this is Sea of Cowards run-up. Yeah, with the dead woman. (laughs) With the dead woman. Third Man's just getting off the ground. These are two very busy people, but they're in the studio recording again together the next year. So this is coming from a blog post that I found online from just some dude after this was like reported on in the press. Mm-hmm. But he's saying Jay and Jack were in the studio working their collaboration titled Ray-Bans at Third Man in Nashville. Apparently, it also appears that Hove's, Hova, that's what Jay-Z goes by, Hove's wife, Beyonce, and Amy Winehouse were also in attendance during this studio session as well. Apparently, there were photos. The photos made their way online, but were taken down at the request of the photographer. And I'm not sure who that photographer was. So when I read that, I started freaking out because I was like, there's photos of that session and amy winehouse was there that seems crazy and they took down the photos at the request of a photographer that seems very crazy for the internet right so not to throw cold water on that immediately but the first comment on this blog was from a fan who recognized the photos used in the blog as the ones from glastonbury back in 2008 Uh... which had amy winehouse in them Although that doesn't really explain away the fact that they were asked to be taken down at the request of the photographer. I mean, they posted the wrong photos and the Glastonbury photographer's like, hey, stop. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Either that or maybe the Associated Press or whatever told them, hey, this isn't yours. Uh, Take this down. Yeah. Might be another option. I do like that this guy is just reporting from his basement about these <laughs> these news reports he's getting on his on his Reddit thread. Hey, there's um, Jay Z is with uh, Winehouse. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, he's basically he's us without the research. <laughs> what I'm assuming this is. So there was a so okay so yeah we could explain that away as just some guy in his basement but there is some substance to this rumor mm-hmm. because very soon after that there's a GQ UK interview that they conduct with Jack and Jack talks like a lot about the project this is the thing that's got the rumor mill churning the most it even wound up on Perez Hilton mm. I found an old Perez Hilton article about it and he's like yes please and then he drew on both of them because that's kind of what his shtick was oh yeah i forgot how much of a scumbag he was anyway so jack talks a lot about it in that gq article which i'll get to in a moment but so on may 3rd 2010 american songwriter which i guess is an organization addressed the rumor about the jay-z album with jack and the quote is jack white is still rumored to be working with jay-z and bob dylan but nothing is for certain quote It's hard to talk about, White told the Times online. I can't say. Frankly, that's enough speculation on that subject for me, as I'd rather not dilute the surprise if or when this epic project actually comes to light. 
Then we go back to that GQ UK article. Mm -hmm. Jack in that article says that he's done an incredible song with Jay. Quote, I played him something that I've been kicking around for a while, and he immediately came out with words for it. It's unbelievable sounding. So that's certainly talking about Ray-Bans. Yes. Because we know that was a song that he had kicked around the White Stripes and Mm. the Raconteurs and supposedly the Dead Weather, etc. And then apparently this UKC of Cowards trip caused Jack to spill even more beans on this thing as he talked with Zane Lowe of the Zane rendition for Radio 1 in Britain. Mm Mm-hmm. This article describing that says the White Stripes singer and guitarist Jack White has described Jay-Z as the best thing in hip-hop after the pair recorded material together. Speaking to Zane Lowe, White said, we're in the middle of working on some things right now. I think it sounds incredible. He added that the material the duo were working on wasn't complete yet, and he wasn't sure when fans would be able to hear it. Quote from Jack, he's brilliant. There's just no doubt about it. He's the best thing going on in hip-hop and has been for years. And then they follow up with, there's still no date of a release or any word on whether it will get an official release or not. And that's interesting because some of that touched on the Dylan collaboration that we had heard rumored as well that, I guess, either didn't happen or we're not going to hear. A lot of this, okay, and I don't know if it's too early in the episode for speculation, a lot of this sounds like it could very well be, it sounds like he's recording a lot of Ray-Bans. It doesn't sound like he's doing a lot more than that. It sounds like I'm hearing a lot of over and over and over song structure being worked on and lyrics being tied to it and them playing that a lot. I'm wondering if this wouldn't have been an actual full album and more of a single release. Yeah. And that was like the intention was just doing a single release to help promote Third Man or like the the new store or you know and dylan being thrown into the mix maybe dylan was also he was maybe thinking on doing a series of jack and collaboration singles or something yeah and we know something similar happened with neil young yeah he's bringing in some old heads into third man and having them do some work so i don't know it's possible that this was never intended to be an album and that everybody's conflating it to be Here's why... Okay, so that's fair. And you're right. It could be like the Alicia Keys thing. It could have just been something way more simple than a full record. But here's why I think that there's more to it. And we'll get to this in the songs, but we know that Ice Station Zebra was also in that mix. Was it really? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, spoilers. Ice Station Zebra was also in that mix. So we know that there was other tunes, but we've only heard two. Now, I have some wacky, unsubstantiated ideas about other ones, which we'll get to in a moment. But Paul's like, Vi- uh, <laughs> vinyl is not flat. It is an orb. I mean, for all we know, Ice Station Zebra would have been the B-side to whatever. Th- I mean, you're right. The truth is we don't know, but I don't know. If they're getting together like this and having sessions, it sounds an awful lot like he's trying to do with Jay what he did with, like, Allison and Dean and LJ or... What he Mm. did with Brendan is just like, hey, get together with a like-minded artist and see what comes out, and maybe it'll be cool, and yada yada. Okay. Then things cooled down a little bit. In 2011, there's no more mention of any sessions being had. In fact, the only documented cases of sessions that I could find anything for were those 2009 and 2010 sessions. What's he doing in 2011? What's Jay-Z doing in 2011? Jay-Z is in the studio with longtime friend and producer Kanye West, who has 
at this point in his career, become a, a Sessa superstar mm. after that huge album that he put out with uh, with the OJ song, the Isotoners one. What is that? Uh, I don't. I don't know. That don't kills me only makes me stronger. Stronger, I think it's called stronger. That's Daft Punk. Yeah, that's the one. Don't act like I never told you. So Kanye and I didn't know actually didn't know this until I did the research for this show. But Kanye got his start as Jay Z's producer for like a long time. Kanye was producing Jay Z for like ten years or something crazy like that before he actually decided to become a solo artist and a rapper himself. So. In 2011, Jay-Z and Kanye do a collaborative album themselves called Watch the Throne, which was, again, recorded in November 2010 at a variety of locations, including Hawaii, because, quote, they won't bother us there, which I thought was very funny. (laughs) But there's a couple noted Jack-connected people on that record, including Q-Tip and another producer, RZA. Hey, yeah, the guy who was supposed to show up and didn't. Right. who launched a thousand solo careers. <laughs> now, another crazy thing to throw into this mix, James, is guess who also reached out to do a collaboration in this window? Um, With Jack White. I can't think of anything. Kanye. Are you serious? Wait, Kanye reached out? Kanye West and his people, or whoever reached out to Jack to do some kind of collaboration. Jack records some stuff, sends it to Kanye slash his people, never hears back. Oh, that sounds right. The line goes completely dead. I guarantee you Kanye completely changed course of the thought after he sent whatever email (laughs) or whatever coffee person to write the email and then instantly (laughs) forgot who Jack White was. Uh, and got the thing and just immediately trashed it. <laughs> it's funny because it's coming off the heels of, I'm reading the Blue Series book, and in the intro, Ben interviews Jack and talks about how Adele turned Jack down to be the first Blue Series single artist mm-hmm. when he pitched Adele. And it's just, I don't know, because what Jack's response to that was was like, yeah, it seemed a little silly to me, but I couldn't blame her. And then I just kind of did my own thing anyway and made it work. And so it made me actually feel good to know that he deals with rejection really well. Yeah. And uses it to like pivot into the next project, you know, as we saw again with RZA and Blunderbuss and stuff. Yeah. He's not a fool. He knows how to pivot when he needs to he's got the recording studio and time already booked and whatever and he's got money invested and he knows better he knows he has musicians of like high caliber musicians around him already so he might as well take this creative energy and refocus it and if we think anybody is capable of refocusing creative energy it's it's jack yeah for sure for sure so let's jump to 2012 here and then uh, Jay-Z is hosting this thing called Budweiser's Made in America Festival in Philadelphia. Mm. And uh, he was talking about the lineup to Billboard. And they asked him about Jack because there was obviously all these rumors about him and Jack White teaming up. Jay-Z said, Jack White is insane. He's an insane musician. <laughs> that's, that's it. End sentence. <laughs> oh, well, that was obviously the headline. Jay-Z says, Jack oh, White insane. Of course it was. Why would they pull anything else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, <laughs> Jack White is insane. He's an insane musician. And there's no set list from what I understand. He just pulls out a song and they have to be ready, which must take an insane amount of practice. 
And then he later expressed his admiration for the film Jack did with Gary Oldman. Oh, yeah. To promote Blunderbuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, uh, we went to Spotted Pig afterward and we spoke on that a bit with Gary and Jack. They're doing a great job with those concerts, whoever's curating that. So clearly, Jay is still holding Jack in very high esteem. At this point in time, Jack has moved on and he has entered into Blunderbuss Town and he's doing his own thing. And Blunderbuss, by the way, probably the biggest commercial hit besides you know some of that core white stripe stuff of his entire career like that was his first number one record was blunderbuss mm-hmm. that's counting white stripes raconteurs all that stuff his first number one blunderbuss so then we skip ahead to 2014 and that's when as you mentioned earlier in the podcast james jack releases the magna carta holy grail album by jay-z on a special edition vinyl and this thing is really cool i actually watched the video you ever watch the video on this thing where they go through i it? didn't i know it involves a binder i know there's yeah. a binder there's like a mirror on one side of the page so the text for the lyrics of some of the songs is written backwards and you can only read the lyrics for the songs through the mirror on the other side of the page man jack white is insane <laughs> um this is via third man's website jay-z's 12th Studio album Magna Carta Holy Grail is now pressed on two 180-gram LPs, heavy as the material carved into them, complete with printed lyric inset, poetic as the gatefold is slipped between them. Most exciting about this double LP is certainly the concealed postcard flexi-disc hidden within the back cover and only accessible to those willing to take a knife to their iconic packaging. Once freed of its casing, the flexi-disc plays a super-secret hidden track. You'll just have to hear it for yourself, because we sure don't plan to ruin the mystery of it here. Well, Jay-Z did not have any problem ruining the mystery on Twitter. Oh, great. And and other sources, which he told apparently a lot of people. Apparently, a fan asked him why the track Open Letter wasn't being included in some releases of the record. And Jay replied that Open Letter will be released on vinyl through Jack's Third Man. The song will be available as a playable letter. It's in a letter. You can play the letter. It's amazing, Jay told Hot 97 yesterday. You open the letter, and you can actually play the card. Jack White, you know, aside from being a brilliant musician, he has this vinyl store, so he makes these special edition vinyls. And we're going to put out Open Letter on the vinyl. Said Jay Z. East London's highness, yeah, my gut flow. Got swag, I got cooking, now I got dough. Plus, if you wanna kiss and hug XO, better tell them BRB, do it with a net flow. And then, Messi, yo, it's how I'm leaving every show. Hands doing a bottle, I'm in a wave mode. And we're doing this thing, swag a wave, half low, got made, ain't nothing changed, you got the spark. I bear the flame, nothing new to this, nah, not another game. I be making money while you still be spending change. While you're standing there and make your bitches know my name. So Jay is excited about all these tricks Jackie and Boy's doing. Using the plural of vinyl as vinyls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild, wild release. Or as Amy Mann, American folk treasure Amy Mann calls them, nils. <laughs> The uh, binder that you mentioned earlier also has a scratch-off portion, like a lottery ticket. Ooh. And you can only read some of the lyrics if you scratch off the scratch-off stuff. Okay. Yeah. Do they smell? 
I don't know if they smell. Uh, so then also there's the Great Gatsby soundtrack, which Jay was the executive producer on, and Jack contributed that U2 cover to. Yes. One, two, three, two, two, three. collaboration whatever it was has stalled out because we're now in 2014 2015 area and jack and jay-z are entering into a collaboration of sorts but it's not a record it is the streaming service title Mm. this is via their website the title artist owners are alicia keys arcade fires win butler regine chess regine chess chess Felice blah blah blah. Chasson. Chasson? Chasson? C H A S S A N A G N E. I don't know how you pronounce that. Chassain. Beyonce, Calvin Harris, Coldplay's Chris Martin, Daft Punk, Damian Marley, Dead Mouse, Indochine, J. Cole, Jack White, Jason Aldean. Jay-Z, Kanye West, Lil Wayne, Madonna, Nicki Minaj, Rihanna, T.I., and Usher. Those are all of the title co-owners, at least at the start. So I have, like, a lot written about this, but I'm going to skip over all of it to just tell you that Title has had a rough go of it mm. since its inception, because Title's philosophy was, hey, we know Spotify gives you a free option, but they keep equating it to Netflix. They're like, well, yeah, but you wouldn't, like expect to get netflix for free although millions would beg to differ you wouldn't steal a car (laughs) it's a lot like that they call it in their literature like an artist co-op like they're all like it's it's artist grown like it supports the artists and all this money goes back into the artist's hands but the thing that most of their critics point out and i again i don't know the intricacies of this the thing that critics attack them for is like yeah but it's not really going to them anyway it's like they're all signed to record labels and things so like who is actually getting the money here and is it really artist driven if like the money coming in isn't actually going to the artists i don't know what the truth is i don't know if it's good i don't know if it's bad i'll tell you this i don't have it and i don't intend to but i also don't have spotify yeah so i'm just not a streaming kind of person i do know that the streaming is supposed to be hi-fi it's supposed to be very high fidelity sound so there's two pricing models. There's like a base pricing model, which is whatever it is, kind of cheap, yeah. you know. And then there's, you can pay like 20 bucks a month to stream at that super high fidelity, what you're saying. Okay, so it, that's similar to Netflix in which you can get 720p for, you know, whatever the $12 it is now. Or you could get, you know, full 4K 3D with actual fire spitting out of your computer for twenty dollars <laughs> yeah i just thought about like how crazy this is how this is like the, the beginning of the new world 
right there. Change the course of history forever today. <laughs> the final frontier. Yes, it's the yes. last stand. Town hall for creativity. Yes, but the most powerful. But inspired. <laughs> yeah. Very inspiring. Every great movement started with a group of people being able to get together and really just make a stand. Everyone here is, you know, that term icons, but we all at one point were in love with music. You can't make it to where we what we've accomplished without having that love of music be the foundation. I think it's one of the things that sets us aside from someone that's a tech company that's selling advertisement or selling hardware. Right now they're writing a story for us. We need to write the story for ourselves. This collaboration feels so egoless. Everybody's having a conversation. We really do have a, an opportunity to change the way we all experience art. We're gonna come together and we're gonna take a stand and we're gonna give people quality and great things and great experiences. You know, we'll, we'll push the things that happen on the internet further along. This is really musicians making music and it's about music and there's no end game. Maybe it sounds like a cliche, but it's about putting art back into the forefront. It's about bringing humanity back to being an artist, not technology, art, human art. I talked to a lot of different people outside of the industry and everyone was like, what took so long? Like this thing was the thing that everyone wanted and everyone feared. If, if these artists can sit in a room together, it's, the game changes forever. And it happened today. Title has not been without its successes, and those are primarily coming from little jumps that are uh, the result of Jay-Z and Kanye West and Beyonce making some of their albums title exclusive for a little while. Mm-hmm. In fact, the subscription service spiked like mad when Beyonce's Lemonade came out and when Kanye's album Life of Pablo came out. It got this huge surge. But I think from everything I've read, and I don't know what the numbers are today, it's leveled out at about 3 million paying users, whereas Spotify is more like 30 million paying users. So it's... Okay. It's like the third largest one, but it's got a lot of catching up to do. Anyway, these guys are big business partners now. And then this is just a little catch-all of everything else I found out about Jack and Jay-Z together. On the 7-inch Dead Weather Live at Third Man Vault exclusive single from 2010, The Matrix run out of the 45 hints at the collaboration with Jay-Z by having in writing scrawled out Encore on side A and the flip Do You Want More which is a song from Jay-Z's Black album. Jay is fairly regularly pictured with Jack over the years, as recently as the acoustic tour era, so 2014, 2015. Hmm. And there's one of them in the Blunderbuss era, and Jack and Beyonce and Jay-Z at the 2008 Glastonbury Festival, as I mentioned. So there's actually a lot of pictures of these guys together. Mm -hmm. To promote title, apparently Jack White and Jay-Z were both personally calling people who subscribed thanking them. Okay. Tam, did you get a call? Tam, please let us know if you got a call. (laughs) We know she's been a faithful title subscriber, so she deserves one. Doing her diligence. The Boarding House Reach band, many of those band members and people who performed on Boarding House Reach were players that Jack had seen with either Jay-Z, Kanye West, or Kendrick Lamar. I think Tyler, the creator, some of those people were in there too. Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, on July 19th, 2014, on the Lazaretto tour, Jack covered Jay-Z's 99 Problems. Nice. And uh, 
so there is actual like Jack covering Jay-Z out there he blended it with Icky Thump I think okay then the question becomes all right well what happened i think it's a mix of too many projects for these guys and something about the session just not catching jay-z's creative fire for whatever reason yeah jack reportedly told nme in 2014 that he had written songs for jay but that he wasn't sure if jay liked them oh which is super sad and maybe that's just where this thing stopped i mean maybe that's what boarding house reach is is just all of his jay-z material lumped into one because we know it's got two of them yeah i mean honestly that that could very well be the case because it does have that hip-hoppy flavor and but you also have like you know jay's in the studio with kanye he's recording a new album in the time it took for these two sessions to take place and for us to be talking about it jay recorded two whole albums he recorded and released blueprint three and watch the throne Mm -hmm. and then we get this via okplayer.com describing Jack White's waiting to hear back from these hip-hop artists. In regards to Hove, the Hitsville rocker has apparently done several tracks with the mogul-slash-lifestyle wordsmith that never got the HOV stamp of approval. When it comes to Kanye, White was apparently approached by the self-anointed one for submissions to Yeezus, but never gotten back to by the Chicago rapper's camp. Then there was the time that Mark Ronson tried to pair Andre Three Stacks with the subversive musician, which also fell through. Apparently, somebody tried to make a date with Jack White and Andre Ice Cold 3000 in like the early 2000s, which would have been wild. I mean, yeah. Let's have that happen. Can we have that happen? <laughs> that would be amazing. I, I, would, I would like that. Yeah. Any outcast member, for that matter. In 2016, Jack White successfully collaborated with Beyonce on a project that actually came out, contributing the backing track and vocals to her song Don't Hurt Yourself on the Lemonade album. This is sort of awkward for the Jay-Z stuff because that song is famously a slam on Jay for cheating on her. Um, So not sure how that really works with their friendship, but I guess he's allowed to be friends with both. I mean, they're still together, so... Yeah. I'm sure he feels bad and is like... I'm not going to say how he feels. <laughs> I, he, he knows he did wrong. Beyonce said so. Don't hurt yourself. 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 Don't hurt yourself.
yourself I love this. It's, Jack was reportedly, quote, surprised and pleased that Beyonce kept his demo vocals for the final cut of the track. Beyonce reportedly asked White to write an alternate arrangement for another song on Lemonade called Daddy Lessons. And this version is described as having sounded like C6 Steve. Oh. Oh, man. Now I want to hear that. Where's that uh, unsolved mystery? Yeah, there's, that's out there. Uh, White also revealed that he was supposed to perform the song with Beyonce on Saturday Night Live, and he isn't sure what happened. Oh. I know. Uh, all right, I'm starting to feel like Jack is the underdog here. I know. Via Howl and Echoes in 2016 quote from jack i have to be able to feel like i can bring something to the table there's been some incredible offers at times to produce an album you know that you know would be number one but at the same time i felt like well i just don't think i can bring anything to the table for that person i have to be able to feel like i can bring the best out of them that's your job as a producer the interviewer pushes harder for a beyonce quote asking jack if it came uh through his co-partnership with jay-z through title he says you know i just talked to her and she said i want to be in a band with you so beyonce said to jack i want to be in a band with you and jack said really he said i've always loved her voice i mean i think she is the kind of soul singing voice of the days of betty davis or aretha franklin she took just sort of a sketch of a lyrical outline and turned it into the most bodacious vicious incredible song referring to don't hurt yourself i don't even know what you'd classify it as soul rock and roll whatever don't Hurt Yourself is incredibly intense. I'm so amazed at what she did with it. And that brings us, James, to the tracks that I've assembled here for a, the possible, mm. let's call it an EP for these two. Okay. So here's the tracks. Over and over and over, which was Ray Bands. Yes. Or Behind My Ray Bands. And this is via Ben Blackwell, he said, it was apparently the main track that Jack White and Jay-Z worked on together in 2009 under the title Ray-Bans or Behind My Ray-Bans. And although I've never heard that working, I'm told to imagine the phrase Behind My Ray-Bans to coincide with the last five notes of the riff. Behind My Ray-Bans. Yes. Which we talked about in the Boarding House Beach show. to be called this and uh, via rolling stone this is a quote from jack he says i played a drum beat and then played a bass line i played guitar and then he rapped over it so they're doing it all like homespun style mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then I think it's safe to assume that uh, this song, as you were saying, James, was the main one that the two worked on. Then we have Ice Station Zebra. This is via Consequence of Sound. As White tells it, a couple of years ago, I had worked on a few tracks with Jay-Z. Okay. More than two. And then he says, we were going to do an album together. He actually oh. says that. Oh. It just never culminated and didn't finish. But this was something where I played drums, piano, guitar, and bass on as an idea for him to maybe spur him on to do something else or for have him to do something. So he, Jack's throwing stuff out there and waiting for Jay to catch it and run with it. He is throwing the spaghetti at the wall and Jay-Z's not eating. He's not eating it. On the bills of late, but I just can't seem to remember the dates. I lay low and turn off the lamps. Come on over, you can lick the stamps and we can put together a polio and sing hallelujah in stereo. Keep the pop baby letter into the fold, but keep the car rolling on the moment go. We got fever and there ain't no cure, girl. Take out insurance if you ain't too sure, girl. We do things that lovers do well. Never have to ever hear the rings of school bells. Platines no cellular phone. All the time in the world, no twilight zone. My time is mine and they know they can't get it. JB told me you got to hit it and quit it. Jack also told Lars Ulrich of the project with Jay in relation to this song. It just never culminated. I was going through stuff in New York and L.A. and brought that up. He's talking about going through with the band, like what songs they were going to do. And I don't know if he either had a working demo or he just played it for them. But that's where Ice Station Zebra and over and over and over again come from. Hmm. Now we come to the wild speculation. Songs I think that are plausible that could have or have elements that could have been on tracks of this hypothetical Jay-Z Jack White album. The first one I have here, $3 hat. Ah, uh, yes. We know Jack and Jay recorded during the Dead Weather period, likely just prior to the tour of Sea of Cowards, but assuming all the Dead Weather tunes from Sea of Cowards were never meant to be Jay tracks, it's possible some holdover Dead Weather songs, particularly this hip-hop sounding track, could have been in the mix. Okay. Or an element of it. Yeah. No, it makes sense. It's the first time in a while we heard Jack White rapping and actually... It may have even been the first time we've heard him, like, truly rapping... Right. Um, where it was just verse and not, you know, accompanying s- song, really. I'm going to guess one on your list. I think we've guessed this before, but the Lazaretto? So I was close to putting Lazaretto on here. Okay. The reason why I didn't is because we do know that that thing came out of a studio jam mm. with the buzzards and the peacocks. And then the lyrics were written later. That's what Fats Kaplan told us anyway. Does that mean that elements of that weren't possibly tried by Jack and Jay? I don't know. But I was really close to including that one and ultimately didn't for that reason. The same thing with Blue Blood Blues. That one is also like a borderline one for me. Like 
could that lick have been a part of it or maybe just the spirit of it or something because there's a rap quality to that one too i mean blues on two trees (laughs) that's true uh he that could have been some of the spaghetti he was throwing at the wall (laughs) throw that spaghetti the next one i have here is actually one from jay-z which is from his album blueprint three called doa or death of auto-tune This is from his Blueprint 3 record, which we know Ray-Bans was considered for. And I don't have any solid proof, obviously, that this one was in any way worked on. But I think it's fair to surmise that some stylistic and attitude overlap was perhaps not all coincidence. And at the very least, the subject matter is something Jack would have been drawn to. The song is, you know, a lament of auto-tune amongst other things, which is kind of hilarious since Kanye made a fabulous career out of auto-tune and Kanye's all over Jay's stuff. Yeah. Jay-Z raps about how auto-tune sucks a lot on that record. And then the next one is all Kanye. So I don't I don't get the disparity there, but I have to believe that if Jay-Z and Jack White were in a room together, they were probably bitching about auto-tune. Yeah. At the very least, uh, audio filters on new singers to make them sound better, even if it's not right. just auto-tune. Right. Fast forward to Boarding House Reach. Yes. The next one I have on here, and this one I have a little substance for, Freedom at 21. Really? So we don't know how long the song's music or hook or anything were kicking around before Jack finally got around to putting it down for Blunderbuss. But in 2012, we got this from Uncut UK. While White lambasted hip-hop a decade ago, I don't think that's right that this article is saying that, its influence can now be spotted in the sliding beats and splat lyrics of Freedom at 21, a song he is especially keen for a long-rumored collaborator jay-z to hear this quote from jack i'm jealous of the things jay-z can say that i can't i've (laughs) played i've played with that in the song weep themselves to sleep too with the line no one can blow the shows or throw the bones that break your nose like i can that became a new challenge to me when i was writing this record jay-z can go on record and say what a great rapper he is if i go on a record and say what a great guitar player i am come on (laughs) All right, Job, easy. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, cut off the bottles of my feet. Made me walk my soul. Took me down to the police. Shot me with a saw. A smile on her face. She does what she wants to me. That's right. She don't care what kind of wounds she's inflicting on me. She don't care what color bruises that she's leaving on me. Because she's got freedom in the 21st century. Uh, the drum pattern, and I know we've never done this record in an analysis and review, but the drum pattern of that, by the way, was a tape echo being 
played on a beat that Carla Azar played live, oh. which is cool. Nice. And uh, I found some stuff suggesting that a portion of the song, or at least a portion of the song, was written at the time in the studio itself, meaning when they were recording the song for Blunderbuss, but not necessarily when or how that riff was composed. And in all fairness, though, given Jack's eagerness to talk about over and over and over and Ice Station Zebra being part of the Jay-Z collaboration, if this was a part of that collaboration, we probably would have heard about it. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the last one here, I only have one more, and it's uh, this song called Venus Versus Mars, again from that Blueprint 3 album from Jay-Z. It sounds like a dead woman tune. Uh, it's uh, super sexually charged, and it has this sort of slinky, unassuming kind of funk to it. Blackberry bowl, shawty a side chick. Used to have a man, I used to have a side chick. Shawty got wind, I had to blow the chick off. Got rid of him, they both took the shit hard. Shawty played the piano, me I played with white keys. Shawty from the south, oh, I think she liked me. Shawty like Pac, me big papa. Screaming hit him up, I'm screaming who shot ya? I'm on that red wine. Shawty like white, same shit, different toilet. We both get nice. Me I'm from the apple, which means I'm Mac. She's a PC, she lives in my lap. Shawty get it. And there's a line in there, funnily enough, and I think he's talking about human anatomy, but he's talking about liking the white keys. Yeah, a fun mashup of everybody's favorite two two piece blues bands. Yeah. So that that's it, James. That's all I got. That's all I got on this mystery. I think it's a delightful mystery. Do we think that it will ever see the light of day? Do we think any demos will see the light of day? I'm inclined to say just Ray-Bans is the possibility, and that's the only one. Yeah. Yeah. But everything else, I don't know. I don't think Jay-Z and Jack are going to get in the studio and record. I just don't think it's going to happen. He got in there with Q-Tip. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's different. I don't know. Maybe Jack was inspired to go with the... Tribe Called Quest after all this. Maybe. I mean, he had a bunch of songs, maybe some Tribe songs. Had some uh, some of that Jay-Z stank on it. <laughs> yeah, possible. It sounds like the way this stuff works in the hip-hop world is Jack just kind of records whatever and then sends it to them, and they do whatever with it. Yeah. But it sounds like the Jay-Z thing was, no, no, that was a session. Yeah. That was different. Yeah. And maybe that's one reason why it didn't work, is Jay-Z might not be used to having a session. Either way, we got some interesting material out of it, regardless with over and over and over uh, having been worked on for so long. We got to hear it now, and so there's that. Yeah. All right, so James, we're going to do something a little bit different today with our third-person segment. We're actually going to be kicking it to a very different kind of segment, so James... What do you say we kick it over there to our surprise segment this week? Let's kick it right on over there. A 
Okay, so for the listeners at home, the Kaminsky family of podcasts up until this point have been the Third Men podcast and our sister show, the Yesterday and Today podcast, a Beatles show which we produce for our father, Wayne Kaminsky. Now, we are about to go on a bit of a summer break after episode 100, but after that, when we get back, we are going to have a few new shows debuting in the fall, and we are going to be giving you a little taste of some of those shows in the next couple episodes to come. So until then, we're going to kick it to a very special show we've been preparing, and this one's called We're So Excited. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to We're So Excited. This is the podcast where we watch every single ever-loving episode of Saved by the Bell and its connective properties, and I am your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I am so excited, and I am your co-host, James Kaminsky. Paul, this is a dream come true. I've always wanted to talk about Saved by the Bell, not only shamefully to you, but shamefully to the entire world, because this is a soap opera that I just love. Yeah, and, you know, we watched it when we were kids. James, you and I both started watching the show when it was on in sort of its rerun era on TBS, because it was on after school every single day for like an hour, Mm -hmm. so I got to know it just in my bones, And then as an adult, it is now the sweet, sweet, nostalgic comfort blanket that I wrap myself around to remind me of a time when the world didn't want to crush my soul. I mean, it did. You just had Zach Morris on a big cell phone telling you that it'll be okay. Yeah. This is all very, I mean, we're about to get really heavily psychological with all of this. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, this is a show that I watched... Mostly in syndication. We were a non-Disney Channel family. We didn't mm-hmm. we didn't have the Disney Channel, or at least we didn't watch it very often. So we didn't watch a whole lot of Boy Meets World. And no. what we did end up watching a whole lot of was Saved by the Bell right. on network television and then later on Nickelodeon. Now, see, I don't think I ever even watched it live, thinking about it. We're going to get to all of this. But the show with the original cast ended in 93. They were the mm-hmm. class of 93, which I was eight years old for. So I really have no memory of actually watching it live, although it's possible I did. I was a child of this in syndication. Like with Star Trek, that show became popular in syndication. This show very similarly lived on in syndication. I was one of those children, James, and I I think you and I both shared that experience. Yeah, and you know what? I think if you've never watched an episode of Saved by the Bell, I hope we can relay to you just how good this show is. (laughs) It's at least insane. (laughs) We could say that about it. So let's jump right in here. Much like Zach Morris would say, enough with this boring foreplay. Let's get (laughs) right into it. We're going to start with something really, really interesting, which is the original pilot. So this show had about 5,000 pilots because Mm -hmm. 
Peter Engel, the guy who for, sort of founded the show, had sort of originally envisioned it to be this kind of Archie spinoff. And there's a legend that goes around that it was it was originally based on the cast of Riverdale and they were going to do an Archie thing with it. And mm-hmm. then the Archie folks sued them or whatever or threatened litigation. There, There's a whole mythology there I'm admittedly not terribly versed in. But what we do know is that Peter Engel, who was at NBC, was the champion of the show. And it started as a show not called Saved by the Bell, but a show called Good Morning, Miss Bliss. I did no research. I plan on doing... This is purely like, hey, this show is crazy. Let's talk about that. Yeah, if you have research-related questions, visit your local Google store. Yeah, I think it's safe to say we don't care. Yeah, we're watching these shows, and we are going to be telling you what happens in them. And that's that's pretty much the premise of this. (laughs) Well, there are other Saved by the Bell podcasts out there. This one's purely like, hey, we love this thing. We are so excited to talk about this. That is true. And that's all all we're trying to get. But the most history we're going to get out of this is just a little context here. So this first original pilot for Good Morning, Miss Bliss is just radically different from bonkers anything else like if you were one of the people who watched the show in syndication like james and i you may remember the good morning miss bliss episodes because they slapped a safe by the bell opening onto them and just treated it like middle school and ignored the fact that they were all for some reason in indiana but Mm -hmm. in this case it's not even close it doesn't even closely resemble anything and there's like a different mr belding it's a whole thing so let you want to just let's james let's just get right into it let's get into this can we start out please talking about the intro opening song yeah (laughs) and the extremely creepy and vaguely religious drawings on the opening and title uh, i don't know are we cursing on this let us fucking curse james we're so excited we can't stop it I grabbed my bowl of cereal this Saturday morning and sat down on the couch and watched this episode, and I was surprised to be greeted by a fucking Take On Me uh, intro (laughs) (laughs) with, like, really soap opera-y... Yeah, just just cheers. Cheers music. This was cheers. Yeah, and there's like line art and there's like an angel mm-hmm. on in Excelsis Deo or whatever. And there's Miss Cheerleaders Bliss, like, with Florida logos on their shirts for some reason. Yeah. So I think this intro is meant to show us the history of Miss Bliss. Like I think we're meant I think this is I for real, I think like this is to show like this is a little girl from a hometown something. And she's growing up and going to college. And now she married a guy she just met in the summer. So yeah. this is to show like her growing up. So it's like a ball, like, like she shows her collecting a diploma. And sure. We're getting deep in the Blissiverse. I'm focusing on the angel because it's really weird. <laughs> It's the, Obviously, it's, it's the angel of death, Paul. It's the harbinger <laughs> of what is to come. So this does not resemble anything remotely close to Saved by the Bell. You may uh, notice, and it's called like Sometime, Some Way, and it's about like the plight of her as she's like starting on the road to being a teacher. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I don't know. It's it's very strange. But James, the biggest thing you'll notice in these opening credits is. The credit of Oliver Clark as Gerald Belding. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe he changed his name. <laughs> maybe what, perhaps. Dennis Haskins. Dennis Haskins got married and changed yeah, his name. He took his <laughs> both, both of his, of his names. names. His 
his his in-universe name and his name IRL. He really took this show very seriously. Well, if it's anything like this show, no one gives a shit if you change your name. But we'll get into that later. So it's it opens with like Miss Bliss walking down the halls of this high school and greeting the different kids. And one kid is like rocking out to like some headphones, and she's like, "Hey, stop having fun!" And he's like, "But it's Beethoven." She's like, "All right, fine. yeah, bad teacher." Okay, she loves Beethoven. He's a big Beethoven fanatic. Yeah, yeah I've noticed that too. And I also noticed the casual sexism that right away mm-hmm. just pops up with our our soon-to-be-named character, oh, Georgie. Georgie, who immediately talks to Miss Bliss and goes, I like a teacher with yeah. great legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's unpack. Throughout this episode, Georgie desperately wants to have sexual relations with his teacher, and he's definitely in the sixth grade. It's super weird and oddly explicit. Yeah, no, he definitely wants this statutory... Mm-hmm. He's he's sending eggplant emojis yeah. like crazy. Oh, yeah, and, and the weird thing um, is... She loves it. Like, she eats it up. And she's like, kids and their hormones. She takes it in such a casual stride. It's truly disturbing. Yeah. I feel like if she was a gym teacher, this would have been resolved very quickly. <laughs> or, or a dude. This is wrong. This is very wrong. But Georgie seems to think it's yeah. so right. And we move right from there into the classroom where we get some casual student conversation about mm-hmm. bras yep. and sandwiches and Jaleel oh, White. Jaleel White makes his debut. The soon-to-be Urkel, who, by the way, may I point out, is in a class with a kid whose last name is Winslow, <laughs> is like a main character in this class. None of... Yeah. And by the way, for those of you who know what Good Morning Miss Bliss turned into, and they're like, oh yeah, Zach's in there and Lisa and Screech. None of the cast. This is a different show that we're watching here. This has nothing to do with what this show would become. So all the kids are completely different. There's like a young Republican archetype. There's like the chatty girl archetypes. There's the uh, Jaleel White's like sort of the smart Alec, and then there's the the kid who's got the raging boner for his teacher. It's a it's a completely different cast. I think what they did is they transferred all of these students out of her class when they realized that all of them have some kind of weird boner for. <laughs> And by the way, we'll get to this later. They all know where she lives. Yeah. So there. Yeah. Uh, this is a welcome to the sixth grade. This, so this is not middle school. This is not high school. This is the sixth grade, although I guess in some areas of the country, sixth grade can be middle school. I know in the Wonder Years it was, but there's a rich kid, Adam Montcreep. Adam off Creep. Can we talk about Adam okay, off Creep? Is it off Creep or Montcreep? I thought it was Adam okay, off Creep. Adam off Creep. I think both of us watched some pretty garbled versions of this because it's not out there on the yeah, DVDs. Yeah, I spent money on a DVD version of it, which is much crappier than the one that's floating on <laughs> Daily Motion, which also gives you all the commercials. So actually, the Daily... It's also on YouTube. Okay, so the Daily Motion version's great. I don't know about the YouTube one, but they're all pretty garbled because this has never been released. But Adamoff, I'm just going to call him Adamoff <laughs> Creep. He is a child in a suit. <laughs> Let's talk about that. He's a kid in a suit. We've all had one of those. Look, we all had the kid in the suit in our class. <laughs> this kid is so fucking deep into Rush Limbaugh <laughs> that you could just tell he is champing at the bit to, to start some kind of, like you said, Young Republicans yeah. Club. This guy is into it. He's got a briefcase. He's got a briefcase. He's got a business card. Oh, the briefcase. He later writes a very, very long essay about Ronald Reagan. It's... It's, mm-hmm. I think they're channeling a lot of different 80s 
shows at this point. I obviously does that Michael J. Fox one about the young Republicans. What was that one? Growing Pains. Um, Back to the Future. <laughs> Back to the Future. But it's all a big joke that the kids are all in love with her. Like that's the big joke, and she like eats it up. Yeah. Like the, even the ones that aren't explicitly sexually charged by her very presence are all like in love with her and at the very least are swooning in a semi-innocent way. There's a little bit of a lot of hormone engagement in this classroom and I'm a little concerned that this is some kind of like government testing ground for some new thing they're putting in water. It's <laughs> it's very weird. Everybody's sexually charged. <laughs> and it's the sixth grade. It's very strange. The biggest revelation from this scene though is that Ms. Bliss met somebody over the summer vacation fresh just met somebody yeah. out of the blue and then they got married in the three months or two and a half months between last school year and this school year so she is technically mrs davis now but the kids right. can still call her miss bliss oh but it's not just the kids paul everybody continues <laughs> continues to call her miss bliss it doesn't stop she just drops davis yeah. like she's like legally i'm mrs davis but I don't like that. Yeah, it's a real, so it's a please, real can't must, James. It's either that or nobody can fucking get their facts straight. Because like a building at one point, which we'll get into, calls her Miss Miss Bliss, and it's just like you know, you just mentioned that she got married. <laughs> the second big revelation from this scene, aside from her weird, random Vegas style marriage in Indianapolis, is that a bad kid has joined the class. Oh and attitude oh oh nothing but attitude from little michael thompson and then he 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 has the lovely really super controversial pull quote i think this town is the pits yeah he just moved to indiana clearly not his idea and he hates it yeah and that's fine it's indiana we get it but uh, n- not to uh, offend anybody no let's offend the indiana. indian <laughs> let's be the cowboys to their indian okay yeah, look, Indiana sucks. We, we get it, Michael Thompson. But you got Miss Bliss, and everybody seems to want to bang her. So why don't you? Popping his bubble gum oh, yeah. at Miss oh, Bliss, can't do that. which is apparently... You can't do that. Yeah, that's the way he offers up information, I yeah. guess, is he pops bubble gum instead of raising his hand. He's a real bad egg. And, and yeah, he's got and his you can tell because of the bowl cut. Yeah, the bowl cut. He's got his feet up on the chair. You mustn't do that. He's just disrespecting Ms. Bliss left and right. And Jaleel White is looking at, is like burning a hole through his soul with his eyes as if to say, I hate travel with my little sister, but also, hey, show some damn respect. <laughs> when Urkel says that, you know it's got to be serious. The funny part is when he says this town is the pits, I thought he was saying piss. And he's like, this town is piss. And I was like, can they say piss on 80s television? Yeah, totally. No, it's it was really progressive tv at the time yeah oh and bug off he tells another student to bug off or no he tells miss bliss yeah. to bug off you can't do that no well where's she gonna bug off it's to? indiana if anything it's in her class if anything this town is the bliss Ooh. <laughs> so she's also best friends with the art teacher who's also the music teacher mm-hmm. for some reason whom i've dubbed dazzler because <laughs> she looks just like Dazzler. Also, can we talk about what's in the background of this classroom at the time? Please. There is... It's a uh, map of Europe, right? There is a... I guess this is every single subject. Every subject. I guess she teaches every single subject, including history, which she has three presidents on the wall. <laughs> George Washington, definitely president number yeah. one. Abraham Lincoln, president number 16. She skips a little yeah. bit there. And then Uncle Sam, president <laughs> number... Question mark. 
I was so here's um, what I, I should have been focusing on that. Instead, I was focusing on the long division on the blackboard, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was wondering, does that work? And then I realized I haven't done long division since the sixth grade, and there's no way I can tell you if that's if that's true. Well, none of us will ever know, and I don't think even the kids knew because I this is the first day of school, and there's long division on the board for some reason. <laughs> Not only is it the first day of school, they just walked in the class. So someone, presumably Miss Bliss, was sitting around in that classroom alone doing long division on the blackboard. Right. Well, she needed to know just how old these students were. (laughs) Your Honor, I used long division to figure it out. I carried the seven. (laughs) I carried the seven. They may have been in the sixth. I would like to plead the fifth. But I plead the fifth. Uh, so she's best friends with the art teacher who shows up and she's like, oh my God, you got married. Which is, by the way, a totally normal reaction. But we're supposed to think this woman is out of her mind because she's an art teacher. She is thirsty also. She is <laughs> beyond thirsty. She really wants a man. <laughs> Everyone's super horned up in this show all the time. And I get it with Saved by the Bell. There's 16, 17. I get it. But these kids are yeah. 12 years old and these teachers... Uh, well, that's what we should really focus on here. This show is not about the kids. The show is about the teachers. It just strikes me as weird that not only are all the teachers super horned up, but all the kids are super horned up, and they're all in Indiana, and they're all together. Yeah, and it's just wet, gross study hall, and I hate it, and let's let's move yeah, on. Yeah, let's move on. Dazzler, by the way, she talks about having a beeper that goes off every time a man enters the city <laughs> limits, and I just want you to know, Dazzler invented t- Tinder. Like, <laughs> She's got some 80s tech Tinder going on, and I really appreciate that. A man beeper. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, we, we get to meet the principal, Paul. Yeah, th- that brings us to the principal's office, and there's like there's Lonnie Maples, who's the principal's secretary, who is really, really excited about being able to say that the principal's not there. And that really leads me to a bigger point about Gerald Belding in this show, who is that he hates his job, he hates his life, He's extremely depressed, and he is counting the months to retirement almost exclusively. Yeah, he's... Look, this isn't my belt. Hashtag... Not my belt. Not my belting. (laughs) This is not the belting we want, nor the belting we deserve. This belting is an awful, awful human being with an assistant who apparently is as dumb as a post, (laughs) and (laughs) I don't... I don't really under even the kids hate him. Yeah, the kids like, the kids are uh called him famously called him a buffoon in the boys room. Right. But and he suspects but, but, it's the teachers, so he's also deeply paranoid. And this this assistant says that she's gonna go into the boys' room and right. change buffoon to something the kids would call belting, which means she's just walking into the boys' room. Is there no boundaries <laughs> in this world? Are there no boundaries? Well, speaking of boundaries, like Bliss is in there to steal some paperwork. <laughs> And that's how we that's how we intro Bell. So maybe he's right to be paranoid because obviously they're all trying to pull a fast one over old Gerald. Well, James, we learned a lot here today about Jay Z and Jack White, and uh, we would like to blow through some shout outs here. Yes. We got some people we would like to thank. Why don't we start with our tried and trues, James, our regular listeners. Sure. And uh, I will go ahead and jump in there and say a big old thank you to uh, the Brett 3 
Killed by Garski. Thank you, Brett, for sending us that email. That was lovely of you. Vito Hicks, the Flying Vito, contributed a lot of great questions to our Listener Questions episode last time. So thank you to Vito. Indeed. And also to Brendan and Smith for doing the same. And uh, why don't we go ahead and thank my oh me, it's uh, me oh my. We haven't thanked him in a while. Yeah. Stu Cat, a martyr for my love for Stu. We'll add that one to the mix. Oh, we never did one for Kyle Ledford. Well, Kyle requested kindly that we call him Kyle Butterball Ledford. Okay. Well, th- see, now it's solved for us. Yes. I'll no, we don't have here. to do any of the work. <laughs> Is there... I'm writing this down. Does Jack Butterball. ever mention Ford motor cars? Yes. In a song, because we could do that. The big yeah. three. Nietzsche, Nietzsche led Ford and Horace. That's something. <laughs> let's go with I, Kyle. I like Kyle Butter Butterball Ledford. Sure. Also, uh, let's give a shout out to. Um, W.A. Shane or uh, the Ben Jam Session on Twitter for tweeting at us. Apparently we threw him in podcast jail. I don't remember that. I don't remember doing that either, but it's possible. I don't remember half the shit we do on this show. He claims it on the Twitter. He said, is that why I'm in podcast jail? I don't don't know. We'd also like to thank some some people who are new and following us and liking things and doing stuff like that. Let's do an old Tumblr one today, Paul. We'd like to thank Bitter One Stuff, Heart Driven... Heaven in a Wildflower, Small and Meek, Jerk Face Idiot. Thank you so much, <laughs> Jerk Face Idiot. Um, <laughs> scene Drill OD Pan, uh, Stop That Triley. Oh, sorry, Stop That Riley. Uh, thank you guys so much, especially you, Jerk Face Idiot. Uh, we love you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you'd like to follow us uh, and be one of these shout outs, you could do so um, through many methods. You can do what I just was talking about and go on Tumblr, uh, thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thirdmen. You can tweet at us. That's at thirdmencast on Twitter. You can find us on our WordPress site where we host our show. That's thethirdmen.wordpress.com. You can email us a listener question. We did a whole listener questions episode last week. We've got a couple more listener questions we weren't able to get to because they came in at the last second. But if you have any listener questions, uh, send them to us and we will answer it. That's our promise to you. Yes. Uh, You can email us. uh, I think I've mentioned it already, but if I didn't, it's thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. You could also Facebook the questions, whatever, what have you. Um, You can find us on Pippa. That's the host of our show they put it on spotify they're great we love pippa i am romantically in love with pippa i think mm-hmm. is the fiction that we have carved for this scenario that is and, the fiction. Uh, i mm-hmm. uh i would do anything for them uh but i, I won't, won't do, do that. that yes so uh so pip on down to pippa and find us on there you can find us on youtube you can uh search the third men on youtube and subscribe and such on there we have a new animation coming out soon i know i keep saying that it's it's soon and don't forget to rate review and subscribe on itunes if you write us a sloppy five-star review where you could just write utter nonsense about us and jack white as long as it's five stars and then you email us a screenshot of your review we will send you a signed Carl Butterball sketch. I just sent out two of them this past week, so... This could be you. 
you could get one of those. Yeah, you could it's get very this, exciting. this piece of paper that has a sketch on it that no one will understand, but is original nope. artwork by me, sent with a kiss on each one. Um, so be all that you th- needed. Yep. We'd like to thank Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song as well. Susanna Rountree for the lovely intros and outros of our program. And James, until next week, I am going to be looking for a home behind my Ray-Bans. Ah, and I will be looking for a home inside a a hidden sleeve in a binder so that you can play me <laughs> only if you're willing to destroy me. <laughs> That was your best yet. (laughs) Boy, we're getting good at this show. I'll see you next time, people. Bye. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited. For- yeah, she's just excited about stuff. Test, test, test. Naders, naders, naders. Ralph Machio. Ralph Machio. Machio matcha ball soup. Ralph Machio matcha ball matcha tea. <laughs> Oh, hold on. The cat is shitting. She does this. She has a shit ritual for uh, around this time of night where she takes the biggest, stinkiest, sloppiest dump of her day right when Susanna and I are spending the most time in the living room because I mm. think she hates us. And so right now she's cleaning the, cleaning the litter off of her paws. got his finger in some sports pies there with war stick and (laughs) sports pies you say uh is there a show we should fall in love with That's if we go. I think it's I think it's every single one's a story to tell. Okay. Okay. Uh, the baby's trying to eat a funeral card, James. Hold on. Uh, so yeah, I believe this... they call him a lorry. Yeah. A Hugh lorry. They do. They do say that. I was but a child in preschool. (laughs) Can you hear me now? Can you see me? Oh, can you see me? Can you hear me?
Can you see me? Can you hear me? I'm always ready to talk about those two things, Paul. Is Skype ready? Maybe. We'll find out uh, <laughs> after these messages. I'm Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts yesterday and today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the show's As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages. That's Facebook.com slash Yesterday and Today Podcast or Facebook.com slash Third Men. Or you could head to Society6.com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's Society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. (laughs) Guys, we need your help. Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. All right. We'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me.